0: Well, good morning. Morning. Should we say happy uh, Easter? Happy Happy Resurrection Sunday? That's good. Good to have you here today, and uh, thanks for being at Mount Calvary. Special welcome today to the guests that have come and uh, had a chance to meet a couple of you. Hope you get to meet a bunch more people here this morning, but uh, glad you took time to come to Mount Calvary today. And uh, we've been working hard as a church inviting people to come for this Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and uh, we're glad that uh, you're here. Uh, I want to walk you through some stuff today, can I? You all right with that? Let's walk through this. Did Daniel Boone actually exist? Oh, I'm sorry, that's Fess Parker. For those of you that grew up in that era, you know, Daniel Boone was a man, was a real man. Here's the real Daniel Boone. Coming out here, I come out uh, near Reading, there's a place called Daniel Boone Homestead. Did he exist? How do you know? How do you know that this guy actually existed? Can you prove his existence? How would you go about proving existence? Or maybe do you take the word of others? He's a historical figure. He's a part of our American tradition. He's kind of famous and a legend for being Daniel Boone. But most of us here this morning, we take the word of others because you've never met him, I've never met him. We've only heard of the legend that comes down and we've only heard of the fact that he is a historical figure, correct? You see... By faith, you believe those who witnessed the life, right? Really. We could say the same thing of anybody. We could say the same thing of Abraham Lincoln. We could say the same thing of George Washington. How do you know they existed? You take the word of others. You see, faith is the basis for every aspect of our life, every aspect. When you think and process that, most of you got in a car this morning to come here, right? When you put the key in the ignition, you believed that the key would turn on the engine and you believed that the car would take you from point A to point B. Some of you came across bridges. You didn't stop to check the, uh, to make sure they were okay. By faith, you drove across the bridge. You had faith that other drivers were. Uh, paying attention as they were driving. You have faith that your money's good. You have faith that your mate is faithful. You have faith that your children do what they are told to do. Every aspect of your life, if you think about it, every aspect of your life is built on faith. Every aspect. Just the way life is. It's the way God set it up. The problem comes here, and the problem comes when this takes place, when faith leaves the natural realm and enters into the supernatural realm, because honestly, we're here today to celebrate a resurrection. As far as I know in history, there's only been one. To eternal life. When Jesus walked on earth, he raised some from the dead, but they again died. As far as I know, Jesus is the only one that went into the grave, came out of the grave, and then still is alive today. You have gone from the natural realm to the supernatural realm, and all of a sudden, now you enter into a whole new dynamic of faith. And it tests all of us. And what we basically are sitting here today, we believe in the supernatural but a lot of people don't. And as you walk through this story, i can give you this, the God delusion. Stephen, Richard Dawkins writes this in the God delusion. He said this, nobody knows who the four evangelists were. Well, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Dawkins says nobody knows who they were. He goes on to say, but they almost certainly never met Jesus personally. So what Dawkins is saying is the, Four guys that wrote the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, never met Jesus personally. How does he know that? He goes on and he says this much of what they wrote was in no sense an honest attempt at history. The Gospels are ancient fiction. Richard Dawkins, The God Delusion. Okay. Obviously, he doesn't believe in the supernatural. And what he's saying to you is the Bible that you hold in your hand right there is just fiction. How does he know that? The answer? He accepts it by faith. He accepts that truth by faith or that proposition. He accepts it by faith. Faith is the basis for almost every aspect of your life including the atheist who by faith rejects the fact that there's a God. Now, how does Richard Richard Dawkins know that, or how does he believe that? He embraces that by faith, because it's very possible as we're here today that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John did know Jesus, did talk to Jesus, and what they wrote was history, not just fiction. So, it's a matter of belief. Now, as you get into this, you have to ask this How does Richard Dawkins know or believe that? The answer, of course, by faith. So, you say, Let's go to Luke 24. Because in Luke 24, we're going to discuss the whole thing of the resurrection. And this is a fascinating passage of Scripture. Very fascinating. I hope today that we're able to communicate to you what's in this particular passage of Scripture, the main thought. And the main idea that runs through this section of Scripture. You see, Luke 24, did I say Matthew 24? I meant Luke 24. Luke 24 is written to show the evidence of the resurrection of Jesus. And it does that. Luke is a medical doctor. Luke is kind of a detail guy. And Luke takes time to put down the important items that he thinks simply show you The resurrection is a reality. But Luke takes us a little deeper. And this morning, I want to dig with you a little bit deeper and try to show you something that I think is in this passage of Scripture that, quite honestly, is important for all of us to capture and really to grasp. Because I think what the missionary said the other day that was here on Sunday night, uh, John Morgan, when he gave his uh, lecture on Sunday night, he His lecture said this. The three points of his lecture were really interesting. He said, you're living in a world of rapid change. Anybody here doesn't believe that? This is a world of rapid change. His second point to his his, uh, argument was this. We're slow to adapt to change. Everybody agree with that? In fact, industry is slow. He said industry is slow to adapt to change, much less the church. Rapid change is happening. There's a resistance and there's a slowness to embrace change. And what he said, his third point was the results are catastrophic. Told the story of the airline industry not adapting to the new GPS technology, and we lost an airplane in 2014. Haven't found that airplane yet. One of its wings washed up on a, uh, on a beach someplace, but that, that airplane is still. They've been searching for three years. They have not found that plane yet. It came out of Malaysia. It's somewhere. Nobody knows where. So evidence is critical. And and as we get into this, it's it's important for us to grasp a concept because of this. Our world is changing rapidly, and we as God's people, we as believers, need to understand how do we adjust to that? Because there's a tendency to be slow to adjust, and there's a tendency to resist change. But if we don't adjust and don't see something in this passage that I think is critical for us to understand, the results are catastrophic. So I want to walk you through Luke 24 this morning and look at this. Let's look at the claims in this passage of Scripture. He says this, verse 1 to 6. He said, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, they being the ladies, the women, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus." And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. That is a powerful statement. Simply the claim is this. Jesus rose from the dead. Unusual? Very. In fact, Christianity is the only religion that makes claim to a resurrection and claims its leader, which is Jesus Christ, rose from the dead. That's why we're here today. That's why we've come to worship a risen Lord. But here is a problem. And I want you to see in Luke 24, because throughout this passage of Scripture is a problem. His disciples didn't believe this truth. Very, very interesting. Notice what it says. Remember how he told you uh, while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. should underline that in your Bible. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But the words, these words, seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. This is the 11. So you know the story. These women go out to the tomb. They're going to put spices on the body because it's dead. It's beginning to decompose. And so they're going to put the spices there for that purpose and that reason. And when they get there, they, he's not there. These two angels appear to these ladies and say, Hey, he told you this. He's not here. He has risen from the dead. These ladies make their way back to the eleven and some other disciples and tell them the story. And these eleven and these other disciples, it seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe it. Isn't that amazing? 11 that's a problem that's a problem so Peter takes off he's got to see for himself in verse 12 he runs out to the tomb and he looks and he just is like all right got to figure this out they didn't believe they didn't believe Peter Rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The word marveling, he went home kind of scratching his head, trying to put it all together. They don't believe. So note the skepticism and note the unbelief that runs through this chapter of Scripture, would you? In verse 20, verse 11, notice what it says. They didn't believe. Look down at verse 25. Jesus says to them, most slow of heart, to believe. And look down at verse 41. After all that takes place in this whole chapter of Scripture, these 11, they still disbelieved. They didn't believe it. Now, you have to understand as we get into this, Jesus has already met with them. He met the two along the road. He appears to the 11 and the other disciples, and he shows himself to them. And verse 41 says, they're still standing there. What's going on? You see this in this chapter? You see these men who are about to turn the world upside down? They're still questioning the whole thing. Wait a minute. And you see through this chapter of Scripture, you see that what Jesus has to do is take some skeptics who are not unbelievers and just convince them and show them, deal with their skepticism, deal with their unbelief, because these are the guys that in just a short period of time are literally going to turn the world upside down, but at this point in time, they're like, whew. Man, come on, you've been through this. Sometimes when you talk to people who aren't believers and don't understand and don't know this, and you begin to say you're a person who believes in someone who came, wasn't uh, born like everybody else was born. He was born of a virgin, came to this world, lived on this earth, didn't sin like everybody else sin, and then he got nailed to a cross, and then he went back into heaven, he's coming again someday. They look at you and say, what? Really? You believe all that? I do. You see, skepticism is a part of our life. If faith is a part of our life, skepticism is as much a part of our life unbelief is something that all of us struggle with all the time it wasn't just unbelief when I became a Christian I had to deal with it to become a Christian and say all right Lord I believe that you are who you said you are I understand who I am and when I came as a, you came to Christ you came asking if he w- if God would forgive you over your sins allow you to be a part of his kingdom and embrace you and he would be your savior we all came to that that didn't make unbelief go away in our life did it We still struggle with belief. We still struggle with skepticism. When it comes to the area of giving, why why doesn't every Christian just dump more money in the offering plate? Skepticism. Unbelief. Well, if I give that, how am I going to? We still wrestle with it. So did the disciples. So did the 11. So did the apostles. So if you, in your life, wrestle sometimes with the ability to just step out on faith, and you wrestle sometimes with the whole idea of skepticism, welcome to being normal. But I like what someone said. I keep this quote on my desk. If you're not willing to risk it, he who won't risk can't win. (laughs) Unbelief. Unbelief. So how does Jesus turn their unbelief and their skepticism? And this is what I want you to see this morning because I think this is what Luke chapter 24 is really all about. It's turning people who are disciples, people who have embraced him as Savior, people who have embraced him as Lord, but it's turning their skepticism or their unbelief into courage and into faith so that when they go out, they're going to turn the world upside down for Christ let's talk about the women the angels reminded them of what jesus taught again look in your bible if you would and let's just go through this because this is i think this is the method of evangelism that all of us in here today have to learn and have to understand and have to embrace in verse 24 in chapter 24 it says here verse 4 well they were perplexed about this where is the body of Jesus? It says two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Now you would think that the two men in dazzling apparel would be all that would be needed. And you would think that if we just, if God today would just send two angels down and two angels would reveal himself to us here in this room this morning, it'd shake us all up. Yeah, that's cool. Can you, that's neat. It's all Two angels but that's not what moved them. Look what these angels say to them is what's critical. And as they were, verse 5, and as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, he is risen. Remember how he told you. In other words, the word of God through the lips of Jesus Christ was what the angel hit him with? Look at you would the two men. In verses twenty, beginning in verse uh, beginning in verse thirteen. Well, let's kind of read it to get the context of it. Remember verse verse seven that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day he would rise. That was the word of God, and they remembered his words and then it goes from there and it says this and returning from the tomb they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest now it was mary magdalene and joanna and mary the mother of jesus and the other woman with them who told them these things to the apostles but these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe And so what Jesus does is he goes, and, and now Luke is going to give another account, and he's going to begin to show us in verse 13. Look what happens. That very day, two of them, two of the apostles or two of these followers, were going to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mightily in, the, in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, these women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb in early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they did not, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And watch verse 27. Here it is. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. What Jesus does in this, they don't recognize him. Whether that's miraculous to keep them from recognizing him or whether they just are in in this state of, I don't think he rose from the dead. We don't believe, so they didn't consider it to be him. He begins to do this to these two. He begins to tell them about himself, beginning at Moses, through the Psalms, and through the prophets. And therein lies what is absolutely critical for us to understand. How do you remove skepticism? The word of God. It's an interesting, it it, it is an extremely fascinating thing that we understand. In fact, I'd say this to you today. If you're here today and you're a skeptic, let's just say you're not a believer yet in Jesus Christ. Supposing Jesus Christ himself was to walk in that door back there and come and sit right next to you. Would you in that condition say, oh, neat, Jesus is here. I believe, I believe. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. But what would he do then to try to take and remove the skepticism from your life? He would do this. He would sit with you and say, let me tell you the story about creation. Let me tell you the story about how man fell. Let me tell you the story. And he would begin, beginning at Moses, and he would walk you through the Scriptures, and he would show you from Scriptures how the Scripture in the Old Testament just was picturing what was going to come. And he would walk you through the Bible and show you at every point that the Bible, over a period of 4,000 years, spoke to him at every point. And that's what he does with these two disciples who are skeptical that he rose from the dead. From Moses to the prophets to the Psalms, it's all about Christ. It doesn't end there because what he does next is he takes the disciples, beginning in verse 44 and he'd be a verse in fact let's pick it up at verse 36 it says and they were the disciples they were talking about these things jesus himself stood among them so as these disciples are gathered together much like we're gathered here today all of a sudden jesus would appear in our midst he appeared in their midst and what it says he said peace peace to you but they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit, or as the old King James says, thought they saw a ghost. So Jesus is standing now in the midst of them, and they say, ooh, a ghost. See what's going on here? These are the, these are the 11 and some others, and no, notice what he does. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? There's the skepticism right there. See it? He says, see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved, he, get this, you you see this picture? He comes and he stands in their midst and he says, look, see. See my hands? See my feet? See my side? And the Bible says they saw all that. And they still didn't believe. Can you imagine that? Can can you somehow in your mind just picture what's going on in their head? This can't be him. This can't be him. He was crucified. He was crucified. This can't be him. This has to be a ghost. Look, guys, it's me. And they don't believe it. They don't believe it. So look what he does. They gave him a piece of broad fish, verse 43, and he took it and ate. Look at verse 44. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That is a fascinating, fascinating aspect of this. So in other words, a visible appearance of Jesus Christ would not convince skeptics or unbelievers that he is the Christ. Even if he stood and said, look, look, check my side, look at my feet, they wouldn't believe. But when he takes the scriptures... And he shows them the scriptures. Then their eyes were opened. You see what Jesus is doing in this passage? You see what Luke is trying to communicate to us in this passage of scripture? What about us? Well, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus because of the Bible. Our task here today isn't so much to convince you that Jesus rose from the dead. I'm not sure what we could do to convince you. But our responsibility here as believers today is to say this to you. Read the Word of God. Believe the Word of God. I believe in the resurrection because I believe the Bible. And the Bible is what communicates to us the entire message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so our task here is not to go out into the community and get people to believe the resurrection. They're not going to. Our task is to present Jesus Christ in a way that they can look at the scriptures and see him in Moses and see him in the law and the prophets and see him in the Psalms and the scriptures is what opens the eyes. He moves now to verse 48. Notice in the movement of this chapter what it says. Begin at verse 46, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nation, beginning from Jerusalem, you are witnesses of these things. What were they witness to? They were witness to the reality that what the Scripture said came true. They were, and so their task was identical to our task, here's the Scriptures. Here's the Scriptures. We are still witnesses of these things. To be an apostle, you had to be an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. We can't be apostles because we're not eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. But we're still witnesses, and what do we witness? That this book is true. That this book is true. That when you begin reading in its very first pages, you're reading pictures of Christ. You're seeing Christ unpacked. You're seeing him unfolded in this whole story of redemption here's what i think we have to learn because here and this is me i'm gonna speak from my perspective for a minute can i when i grew up i was told this in my sharing the faith i share the roman road of salvation or i share evangelism explosions two questions if you were to stand before god today and he was to ask you a question why should i let you into my heaven how would you answer that question the problem with ee is there's about six questions that now proceed if you were to stand before god well which god Well, how do you know that God is God? Well, how did that God get to be God? You see, there's a a whole different thing going on today. And your missionaries pointed this out. The Buckners and the Buckmen were pointing this out. They were saying this all through the mission conference, from creation to Christ, from creation to Christ, from creation to Christ, Christ, that evangelism today is creation to Christ. How do we take people who are unbelievers and how do we take people who are skeptics about Christ? We have to learn to take them from creation to Christ. It's a whole new ballgame. For me, it's a whole new learning experience. Because I sit and look at myself. How do I take someone who knows nothing? Because we can no longer assume in our world today that America is a Judeo-Christian ethic. It's not. It is a secular culture now. And we can no longer assume that people grow up having prayer in the public schools. They don't. We can no longer assume that they grow up believing that the Bible is the word of God. They don't. So what is our responsibility? Our responsibility here is understand exactly what Christ did when he took skeptics and he took people who were doubting and unbelieving, and he took them to the point of turning a world upside down. We have to take them and from creation and show them Christ. And through that process of using the scriptures is where the Holy Spirit turns the lights on in the lives of people he's going to bring to himself. but we are the witnesses that point people to the Bible. That's what we do. And if they believe the Bible, they will believe in a resurrected Christ. That's the issue today. That's the issue today. In fact, if you take those of us that are here today as Christians and you Pin us into the corner and say, What is your core belief? Our core belief is this I believe there is a God, and I believe He has revealed Himself in the Bible. That is our most basic premise that we hold. And so we take people to the Word of God. That's why Dawkins doesn't go after the resurrection. Dawkins goes after the Bible because he knows, take out the Bible, and you take out the resurrection. And so he goes after the authors of Scripture, and he says to us this, that what you're holding in your hands, that you call your Bible, is nothing more than ancient fiction. And what I say to Dawkins is this no, it isn't. It is the living, powerful Word of God that has the capability and the ability to open the eyes of those that are blind and enable them to see the light of the glorious gospel. And I love that song we sang today. And when he called our name, we ran out of the grave, out of the darkness. And into his glorious day what we have to do and I think what all of us have to do here today is we have to learn how do we evangelize from creation to Christ how do we take people that path that's not sitting that's not walking up to somebody's door knocking on their door and saying hey if you died today do you know if you'd spend eternity with God I used to be okay. But today, oh, uh, there's a God? Which God? How do you know He's God? I'm going to show you. And we walk them through it. Jesus uh, told a story about the rich man and Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. It's a great story, it's in Luke chapter 16. But Jesus makes a statement at the end of the chapter in chapter 16 that I think is worthy of us to look at. It says this. He, Jesus, said to them, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. So what is going to convince people is not a risen Lord. What is going to convince people is Moses and the prophets, the word of God. That's what we have to understand. Now, are we here today to celebrate a resurrected Lord? The answer is absolutely, positively, yes, we are. Yes, we believe that he rose from the dead. Yes, we believe that he's alive as ever in his physical body. Yes, we believe that in his physical body, he is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Yes, we understand all of the implications of that. Because he lives, will live. We get the resurrection completely. But we get that every Sunday. That's why we're here every Sunday. But going out there into the community to convince people of a resurrected Lord, if they won't believe Moses, if they won't hear Moses, if they won't hear the prophets, they won't believe even if someone rises from the dead so you see where we go you may be here today and uh, you're a skeptic you're a doubter or maybe you're here today and you're still an unbeliever glad you came glad you came and our message is this to you today search the scriptures search the scriptures prove it wrong there's a great movie out right now. I guess all of us should go see it. I haven't seen it yet. It's called The Case for Christ. And you got to see it? This came out in April. Lee Strobel put it out. It's a true story. It's a true story of a journalist.